Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, no band, no cheerleaders, no Brutus. It'll be, un- it'll be unusual, be unique. I don't understand why uh, that's the case with a big old building like that. It seems silly to me that they can't put 10,000 people in there. It seems silly to me that in that gigantic press box they can only put 30 people. Um, so, you know, we've been through our view of COVID um before, but that's what it is, and that's what they'll operate with, and it's throughout the Big Ten. Well, I think it's uniform through the Big Ten. That's the main reason for doing it, as opposed to going state, like the NFL goes state by state. Yes, but we can't do that in the Big Ten, because that would make too much sense. Good morning, everybody. It is a Friday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Not as big a show as normal, because Mr. Spielman is not here. He is in New Orleans, Louisiana, where he will work the Saints Panthers game on Sunday on Fox. Today is the start of Big Ten football, Illinois and Wisconsin. And we haven't even started the eight-game Big Ten season yet, and we are already stressing about whether we will get in eight conference games. Boy, oh boy, the mayors in the cities where Big Ten football will be played, and one of them is Andrew Ginther, and one of them is Columbus, Ohio, and one of them is Ohio State Saturday against Nebraska, are nervous about the spike in coronavirus cases before we even get underway. So we'll have that. We'll have a little bit of a preview of the Battle of Ohio Take Two. Brief thoughts on the presidential debate and a brief faith segment at the end. Thanks for joining us. Hope you started your day with Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, just like Mr. Spielman does when he is home. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, a great ministry and great coffee. The marriage of two wonderful things. Start your day right with coffee sourced from the world's best growers, Thailand, Indonesia, Ethiopia, and other countries. And while you're doing that, you know you're helping people in underprivileged countries and supporting A great bunch of people. Paul, Grace, and Andy are awesome. This is the time of year where you start to think about corporate gifts and what you could do that's maybe a little bit outside the box, a little bit unusual, something that other people haven't done before to differentiate yourself for clients or those you appreciate. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters can help you with that with their coffee variety packs, their chocolate variety packs made from cocoa, a cover crop for coffee, and it can be gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, all those buzzwords that you want. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, a great place. Best of all for you as a listener of the Spielman Hooley podcast, you get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. We tackle life in all caps. Order online, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, so Ohio State, Nebraska, noon tomorrow. Everybody's excited. I'm on Facebook this morning. I see all the posts from people on Facebook, and I have lots of friends who are um, somehow feel like their lives are enriched with Ohio State playing football, and my daughter is in that category she's been talking to me about dad when does football start and i'm like it's already started babe and she's like no no when's big 10 football start i can't wait to watch big 10 football well it starts today with illinois and wisconsin and then a full slate tomorrow big 10 uh will i think uh crush it in the ratings particularly with the big noon kickoff game between ohio state and nebraska buckeyes are healthy for this one maybe a couple guys on the defensive line not necessarily so but they're not going to have any trouble with that and the Cornhuskers, I don't know, this is going to be uh, this is their reward, first of all, for eight players filing a lawsuit against the Big Ten. The two teams that I think had the biggest role in bringing Big Ten football back, Nebraska and Ohio State, uh, get to play to start the season. Now, that's a great deal for Ohio State because they get them at home, uh, and it's a layup game for them uh, to warm up for next week's game at Penn State, which will be the only game in the Big Ten I think that Ohio State could possibly even not 
win in a rout. I didn't say lose. I just said not win in a rout. Uh, Nebraska, however, uh, this is your punishment for taking on the great Kevin Warren in the Big Ten with your lawsuit that I think really led to the Big Ten playing football. So, Scott Frost, you're going to get spanked. You're going to head back to Lincoln, Nebraska with your tail between your legs and understand you don't take on the powers that be in the Big Ten. Uh, Justin Fields will kick off his Heisman Trophy campaign tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see, uh, for me, which running back emerges. Will they be, like, tandem threats? Will it be the Master Teague show? Will it be the Trey Sermon show? Will Justin Fields even run? I wonder how much they'll use Justin Fields running the football uh, because why risk it? It was an innocuous play last year against Penn State that he got hurt on, and I think that uh, played into big time their loss to Clemson in the college football playoff. If Justin Fields is fully healthy and can run, that's something else that Clemson has to worry about. You only have to look at what Trevor Lawrence did running the football for Clemson to understand what a duress that place is on a defense. So I wouldn't run Justin Fields tomorrow. I don't even know that I'd plan to run him a lot at Penn State, but I'd have it in my pa- in the package if you need it. But they should be fine at running back, and it'll also be very intriguing for me to see wide receiver-wise who emerges beyond Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Those two guys are going to be phenomenal. Jamison Williams is a guy everybody forgets about because he's a holdover, and we always obsess about the latest and greatest recruits, and there are plenty of those, Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's uh, the kid Julian Fleming from Pennsylvania. There's Mookie Cooper, uh, and there's uh, G. Scott. So they have four really good young wideouts that any other program that one of those guys would have been their headline wide receiver recruit at Ohio State. It's just, you know, the gang of four. And the Buckeyes will have those guys for three years. And a couple of them, I think, are going to make an impression this season. Will they use the tight end? I don't know. And then we'll have our eye on the secondary. Kerry Combs' return as defensive coordinator. Thin in the secondary with uh, Jeff Okuda going to the NFL early with uh, Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wint not being on the team anymore after their sexual assault arrest. Uh, Sean Wade's the proven commodity. Everybody else, we don't know for sure, but, I mean, they're Ohio State recruits, so I'm sure they're going to be fine. And Nebraska's not a throwing team anyway. If that shows up and hurts Ohio State, it'll probably be next week at Penn State. And, you know, the other thing that'll be interesting to watch is Michigan against Minnesota. To me, that's the best game in the Big Ten tomorrow. And... Is Joe Milton legit? I mean, we hear all these things about Joe Milton, the quarterback at Michigan, and eh, he's this wondrous talent. He's huge, and he's got a great arm. That's fine. I don't doubt it. I saw Milton's arm in Ohio Stadium last year. I don't doubt he can throw the thing 75 yards. Can he throw it with touch? Can he throw it with accuracy? Can they protect him? Do they have a running game? Because Joe Milton can be fantastic. If he doesn't have any help, it's not going to be enough. And Nico Collins not playing this year. That was a big loss for Michigan as he opted out to enter the NFL draft. Uh, They don't have, in my mind, a proven running back. Zach Charbonnet, uh, Chris Evans is back. Uh, They like Giles Jackson a lot. Can he be a playmaker for him on the offensive side? And that's a tough opener at Minnesota. That's a really tough opener. So if Michigan loses its opener, all their optimism goes away. All the complaints about Harbaugh, failing to develop a quarterback, failing to develop a running back, failing to develop an offensive line. It's odd that Michigan's the best part of Michigan's program since he came back has been their defense, except, of course, when they play Ohio State, where they get housed. So that one, to me, is the one to keep my eye on. I have no doubt that Ohio State's going to win its game against Nebraska, win it handily. Oh, the other thing with the Buckeyes is, who's the second quarterback in the game? Is it C.J. Stroud? Is it Jack Miller? Oh, both of them lost their black stripe. Heaven forbid. We can't play a guy with a black stripe on his helmet. 
you can tell I think the black stripe thing is overplayed. Uh, but at any rate, um, which one will it be? I'm betting it's Stroud. No, actually, I'm betting it's Gunner Hoke. I'm betting it's Gunner Hoke for week one. But after that, I'm betting it's Stroud. Just because he was a high riser in recruiting. I have no insight on this. I haven't talked to anybody there that would have any insight on it. I'm not sure they let anybody get a look at the quarterback battle for the backup spot. But that's huge because we all know Justin Fields is not going to be around after this season. So uh, that's something else to keep an eye on for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But, hey, you would think that with Big Ten football coming back and certainly the local economies in Big Ten cities hurting because the lack of Big Ten football in the month of of September and October has had to have an impact on college towns, right? Of course. You would think the mayors of Big Ten college towns would be thrilled and excited to have people coming back on campus, restaurants full, bars at whatever capacity they're allowed, some commerce coming back to their cities. Oh, you would think, but you would think so, and you would be wrong because 11 of the 14 mayors of Big Ten cities, including Andrew Ginther of Columbus, have penned a letter to Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, expressing their concern uh, over possible COVID outbreaks in the uh, immediate aftermath of Big Ten football responding. Uh, The uh, mayor of East Lansing is highly concerned because next week Michigan plays Michigan State in Lansing uh, on Halloween weekend. Even though the game is at noon, he's nervous that, you know, there'll be too much partying, too too much fun. There will be no fun allowed in East Lansing, Michigan. And the mayor of, uh, is it University Park, PA? I think it's University Park, PA, uh, where where Nebraska is located, or where uh, Penn State is located. What am I talking about? I got Nebraska on the brain. He says, it's going to be interesting to see if a large population that comes to the city to be in the presence of the game, even if they aren't going to be at the game. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, here it is. Uh, Center State College, Pennsylvania Mayor Ron Filippelli told the Center Daily Times, don't you dare get excited about the Penn State game next week, Ohio State fan. You Wait before you listen to Mayor Ron Filippelli. Here's what he wrote. No, here's what he told the newspaper. I think the Big Ten has made a major mistake in scheduling this Ohio State game on Halloween as a night game. Students are going to be drinking all day. Is that any different than any other day? No, I digress. Back to the mayor. They're going to be partying all the way to the game. And then, if Penn State wins, I wouldn't stress about that, they're going to be pouring out of their apartments in their dorms and everything else. And they're going to be all pouring out into downtown. And it's going to be a very dangerous situation. Yes, kids are going to be kids. Students are going to be students. Celebrants are going to be celebrants. Life is going to be lived. And I'm sorry for you, Ron Filippelli, that you can't, Put a little faith in the numbers that show that young people are not at dire danger of COVID-19. And I'm sorry for you, Ron Filippelli, and then 10 other mayors of Big Ten cities, including the uh, crazy Andrew Ginther, uh, that you can't be glad that life is getting back to normal and that people aren't cowering in fear in a corner. That's too bad to me that you can't enjoy that. Who are the three mayors who did not? Join the letter. Well, you might know Lincoln, Nebraska's mayor is one of them, of course. New Brunswick, New Jersey's mayor. That shocks me. And Champaign, Illinois. Two heavily Democratic states. I'm surprised. What's wrong with those two guys? They'll probably be drummed out of the uh, 
Democratic fear-mongering corps for not doing that. So that's what they're worried about in Big Ten cities with Big Ten football coming back to play. All right, now to the Battle of Ohio. Take two, Browns-Bengals, Sunday in Cincinnati. Browns won the first one by two scores, a little dicey for a while. A lot of things have changed since then. Uh, Number one, Joe Burrow's not going to throw the ball 61 times this time. I would think Zach Taylor would be smart enough not to do that. The Bengals' offensive line's playing a little bit better, actually quite a bit better. They looked pretty good against Indianapolis last week. Ran the ball. Will Joe Mixon be healthy enough to play? It's a guess. I'm going to say yes. He's in a boot right now. So uh, that's a big loss for the Bengals if they don't have Joe Mixon. The bigger injury concern for the Cincinnati Bengals, in my opinion, is cornerback William Jackson. Uh, He is in the concussion protocol, and if he cannot play, that's a big-time problem because the Browns, of course, have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Rashad Higgins, too. Pretty good player. So William Jackson, to me, is the guy that has to come back. Other Bengal corner, Darius Phillips, was out all week. We practiced yesterday. He should be fine to go. Okay, so the Bengals have run the ball better, so Burrow shouldn't throw it 61 times. And to me, the key play in that game was Joe Burrow fumbling the ball on a strip sack from Miles Garrett on the one-yard line after the Bengals had held on the goal line and had the ball back with a chance to tie the football game with time left to do it. So they can't throw it 61 times, and Zach Taylor's got to be smart enough to know that and not call that. It's interesting to me how many times... Coaches after the fact, and Kevin Stefanski did this last week after the Steeler game, and he did it after their Ravens game, too. They talk about how bad a job they did calling plays. I should have done this. I should have done that. You'd think they do this enough. They would know, like, going into the game, well, I can't throw it 61 times. Or in Stefanski's case, uh, i got to protect Baker Mayfield. You know, we got to run the ball. But I guess you get into the middle of the game, and you lose track of what you're doing, and you're desperate to catch up, and you do things that maybe if you had more uh, purposeful thought going into it, you wouldn't do it. Stefanski, this poor guy, um, (laughs) he deals with so much as the Browns head coach, and none of it's of his doing. It's all this uh, PTSD that the Browns have in their fan base because they're 4-2, and and to listen to their fan base and to read the headlines out of Cleveland this week, you'd think they're 2-4. and Uh, Is Baker Mayfield the guy? Is he not the guy? Well, Baker Mayfield didn't play well against the Steelers, but nobody played well against the Steelers. And Baker Mayfield was hurt, his ribs were hurt, and he got hit more, and so he hurt more. And of course he didn't play well. So I don't get I don't get that Baker Mayfield might not be the answer based on the fact that Browns lost thirty eight to seven in Pittsburgh. If a thirty eight seven loss to Pittsburgh was going to mean that so and so was not the answer, then the Browns would have turned the roster over virtually every time they've gone to Pittsburgh in the last two decades. Because that's just exactly what happens to them when they go to Pittsburgh. So and and Baker even made the the point this week, 4-2 and two never felt so much like 0-6. Oh well, you're only in your third year in Cleveland, kid, but that's how Browns fans are. And I'm not criticizing them. I'm saying it's with good reason because they're accustomed to uh, Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown and the Browns pratfalling and getting their hopes up and not delivering on those hopes. And so, yeah, they're scarred. So Mayfield's got to understand that and, like, what have you done to change that, Baker? Nothing much. So he, but he's overreacting. And then you got, you know, Odell Beckham, who's Odell Beckham is like the neediest girlfriend you've ever had or neediest boyfriend you've ever had. I don't be sexist about it, but like, you know, he gets the ball in Dallas and he's the big hero and everything's great. And then against 
the Steelers, he gets targeted four times and he catches two passes. Well, Mayfield had no time to throw, and guess what? They covered you. And maybe Stefanski didn't prioritize you in the game plan. Get over yourself. So Stefanski takes Beckham out of the game, late in the game, with all the other starters. not like he singled him out. And at the end of the game, you know, Beckham can't just walk to the locker room. He's got to take his shoes off and his gloves off and his helmet off as if, you know, I should have been out there, man. Like, you're down 31 points. If you get hurt in the final two minutes of a game, you're losing by four touchdowns, then you're mad about that. So this is just more of the drama. It comes with Odell Beckham. The good is that he'll make a play like he made against the Cowboys to clinch it. The bad is... You're always answering questions about Odell Beckham that involve nothing to do with winning. And I just don't think you can win at an elite level with guys like that. I don't. Jarvis Landry's the same kind of guy. Stupid penalty a couple years ago against somebody that he had a perceived grudge against and the Browns should have had that extra point, didn't, ended up needing a field goal at the end to insulate themselves for a win. I mean, it's just just the nonsense. Great teams don't do that stupid stuff. And the Browns, some of it is the imagination of their fan base that they're worse than their record says they are, that they focus on the bad instead of the good. But some of it is the knuckleheads they bring in. And they make this value judgment that the talent trumps the baggage. And it's rare, extremely rare, that the talent trumps the baggage long-term. Usually, if you have a character weakness a concentration flaw, a selfish bone in your body, it will almost always, almost always come back to haunt you. Seattle Seahawks making a big mistake bringing in Antonio Brown. Transformative talent? Yeah, it can be. Chief knucklehead? Drama queen? Yes. So why they would do that, I have, well, I mean, I know they're doing it because they think, oh, we can't live without him. Guess what? You're doing fine without him. Why bring him in? So, who needs this win more? You could say, well, the Bengals uh, need a win because they're trying to build something and they're trying to inspire belief for Zach Taylor. I think this is an absolute must-win for the Browns. An absolute must-win. You Look, it's not about playoffs. I mean, it is because if they win this game, the playoff thing will be realistic at 5-2. and two. At 4-3... and three, with losses to your three division opponents all on the road, um, the negativity in Cleveland will just continue to fester and multiply. It's not like it grows. It like it, it doubles. Every loss, the negativity doubles. And so questions about Mayfield, the questions about, you know, whatever else, whatever other drama comes up. And I used to tell you about the Browns, you know, drama calendar. This year it's been pretty, pretty empty. But these things just perpetuate themselves. This is a must win for the Browns. Of course it would be a game the Bengals would love to win. And it would speak well to the Bengals getting better and the Bengals improving from a, what, a two-win season last year. But this is far and away a bigger must-win for the Cleveland Browns than it is for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll see if they can get it. They should. The injury situation with the Bengals on the defensive line and in the secondary should make it, even though the Browns won't have Nick Chubb. He's still out. And the Browns just crushed the Bengals on the ground the last time. The Browns should be able to run the ball effectively enough to take 
the heat off Mayfield from a Bengal defensive line that is really reeling with injuries. And the Browns should win this game, and they should win it comfortably. But I wouldn't bet that they do win it comfortably, but I would have to say I think they'll win it. If they don't win it, this is really going to be a bad reflection on Kevin Stefanski, on Baker Mayfield, and on the Browns organization. It won't be the first time, of course, but I'm just saying. That's what it will look like to me. Okay, a short podcast today, but still time to remind you that it's open enrollment time for health insurance. You know, there's a phrase, you get what you pay for. Sometimes you pay for what you don't know you're getting. And that is, you are paying already for a health insurance consultant. You say, well, I line up my own health insurance. That's great. Good for you. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you sure you know how to read through all the fine print on the website? Are you sure you understand all the wherefores and why as's and this, that, and the others on the contract language? Because as I said, you're paying for a health care consultant. It's baked into the cost of the insurance policy from every single insurer you get. So if you're paying for it, why don't you use it? And that is why I advocate using Chrissy and her staff at auiinfo.com. Now, they're at located in Akron, but they're licensed to service everybody in the state of Ohio, and they will meet with you on Zoom and do whatever you need done in terms of finding out what you're looking for in a doctor, in a hospital, in a benefits package, and cost. Why would you drive in somewhere and meet when you can just do it on Zoom and boom, bang, it's over in 20 minutes? And you don't compensate them. Like I said, you're already paying for the consultant. The insurance companies pay them. So now to the end of the year when you can get insurance for your employees or get insurance for your family or get insurance for yourself, auiinfo.com. They got a live chat on their website. It's easy. Just go on there and take care of it right now. auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com. Okay, uh, what else is left out there? Uh, World Series tonight. I'm for the Rays. Uh, just because, you know, I read for the little guy. And Tampa with their minuscule payroll and the Dodgers. I don't have anything against the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers uniforms are like the greatest uniforms in baseball history. Uh, the white ones, not the gray ones. And, you know, I feel bad for Clayton Kershaw. was glad to see that he had a nice uh, opener because he gets ripped all the time about not being a big game pitcher. And that's fair, given his postseason record. But, uh, I mean, I was happy for him. But I uh, love that the fact that the Rays evened that up. And now um, we'll see whether they can uh, continue to win and get the championship. Because uh, the Dodgers, the Dodgers have got to spend like four times as much as the Rays. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, let's transition into the faith portion of the podcast. Ha! It's always better to me, the faith portion. This is true. Spiels and I joke about, ah, it's a bigger show when he's here. It is a bigger show when he's here. Uh, I miss my friend. And, uh, oh, I want I promised you I'd do presidential debate a little bit, if you care. Uh, this is what I do every day on my show on 98.9 The Answer. If you don't know, I do a show from 5 to 7, Monday through Friday, 98.9 The Answer. Um, you can listen to it on uh, pretty much any app, radio.com, iHeart, TuneIn Radio, or we have our own app. Search 989-FM, the answer. You'll find it. Um, I do politics. I do culture. I do entertainment um, for two hours every day. So I'll, I'll do some presidential debate, debate breakdown today. Um, 
good for the president. I thought he was uh, way more, way more presidential in last night's debate. He needed to be. He blew it in the first debate. Um, I thought he made, eh, where did I think he made some good points? I thought he was able to get the Hunter Biden email stuff in in um, a way that wasn't super uh, unlikable and wasn't a stretch. I thought I actually thought the debate moderator, Kristen Welker. Now, I'm, I'm grading this on the scale of media people are so in the bag for the Democrats that, you know, I'm not saying she did a great job just in terms of objectivity, but for media objectivity, she was pretty objective. I, th- I was impressed with her. She did a nice, she did a pretty good job. I thought it was dumb that she accosted President Trump on some of the things he said that are incendiary from a racial perspective and then let Biden skate on the fact that he said, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. That's a very racist comment in today's culture. Doesn't bother me, but of course, everything that has any kind of tinge to it now is racist. Uh, So Biden's never had to answer for that. And if she was going to bang Trump, she should have banged Biden on the same uh, kind of issue. Uh, Biden, I thought, did... um, did okay in that he didn't have like I keep waiting for him to have a moment where he says one of those like huh like crazy grandpa moments where he talks about you know I got hairy legs and they turn blonde in the sun and some of the crazy stuff that he says he didn't have any of those but he did make one comment at the end of the debate that uh, I know the president will try to make hay off of and I I said before the president needed to listen to Biden talk and pick out whatever he said that makes him vulnerable. The thing Joe Biden said last night that makes him vulnerable in states like uh, Texas and Pennsylvania and Ohio and uh, Oklahoma is that he wants to transition away from oil. That's going to be a drum the president pounds uh, as Biden's support for the Green New Deal and all that stuff. Biden said a lot of things that um, if you fact check them, like I don't know... He said, labor is 100% behind the Green New Deal. Labor. I can't see auto workers being behind the Green New Deal. Um, But the president, of course, says crazy stuff, too. Um, You know, weeks away from a vaccine. He doesn't know that. He might hope it is, but he doesn't know that. And the whole, again, with the president saying we saved 2 million lives. You don't know. There's got to be a double-blind random study. So uh, they both made mistakes. Uh, They both made good points. Um, will it move the polls? I just don't know how many undecided people there are. But if you're a suburban housewife, you got to see that, okay, Trump's not a total raving lunatic all the time. And um, that may help him, but it may not. I mean, what did they say? 40 million people have voted early? I'm against early voting. <laughs> I'm totally against early voting. I, I just think, look, if you can't vote on election day or in close proximity to election day. Do we understand in this country what a privilege it is to have the freedom to actually vote in an election that's not stacked? Like, you know, these other countries, they have elections. And you know who's going to win because it's, you know, gee, I wonder if Vladimir Putin's going to win the election in Russia. (laughs) Of course he is. I wonder if Chairman Mao's going to win. I wonder if President Xi's going to win. I wonder if Idi Amin's going to win. You know, I mean... Of course, you know who's going to win. It's a ruse. In our country, it's not a ruse. Uh, It's a free and fair election. But the early voting is just whack to me. Like, if you don't appreciate the fact that men died on Omaha Beach for you, 
and that people have lost limbs, legs, and lives, and everything else in the Middle East for you so that you can have a free and fair election. If you can't figure out a way to vote in a week's time, like absentee or whatever, but to have it like so far away from the start of an election cycle, you don't know what these candidates are going to say. You don't know what you, if you voted early now, the whole Hunter Biden stuff is irrelevant to you. The whole Joe Biden saying the transitioning away from oil. Imagine if you're an energy company worker and you voted early for Biden and you're hearing, what? He's going to what? He's going to take my job away? What? And I'm sure the president will say something stupid. He's supposed to be in Circleville on Saturday. He always says stupid stuff where you go, I just can't vote for that dude. So the early voting thing to me is like, oh, it's a matter of convenience. Well, why? Why does it need to be convenient? Like, freedom's not convenient. Ask the people who paid a price to give it to you. Um, It just offends me that we have early voting because it just tells me that we put like a a five-cent price tag on the freedom to have free elections. It's my opinion. And, uh, you know, respond via email if you think I'm crazy. Tell me why. It's a great idea. Podcast at gmail.com. True confession, I forgot to um, add the newest nominees for COVID-19 relief today. And I don't want to draw from our bucket without having the latest names in there. And honestly, it's Chris's generosity that makes the giveaways possible. And so I feel like we should do that on Monday when he's here. So partially by accident and partially by design, uh, we're going to wait until Monday to award $250 in COVID-19 relief. But we will do it on Monday. So now the faith portion of the podcast. And please take this in the spirit that it's intended. I have made my living for much of my professional life covering uh, sports, and specifically Ohio State sports, since 1988, pretty much. They've been a factor in what I've done. So I don't mean this like there's anything wrong with uh, sports, although I had a lack of peace uh, once I rededicated my life to Christ with what I was doing and whether it was making an impact in the world. I think sports is great for so many reasons, for young people, character development, uh, for pulling together a community around, the, like, for instance, now the Ohio high school football playoffs or soccer playoffs or any uh, kind of tournament that's going on in the state of Ohio. So it's all really good and can have a very um, wonderful place in society. And I think it's sad and I think it's dumb, actually, that only a thousand or so people can be in Ohio Stadium Saturday because it's a big place and you're not in danger outside and come on, get on with it. But the Big Ten's made its rule, whatever. But but I see all these posts online about, uh, eh, I can't wait for football, can't wait for this, can't wait for tomorrow. Can't wait. And that's fine, I get it. But it just struck me today. This just struck me. So I just lay this out there for you to think about. I wonder if God thinks, hey, are you as excited to worship me, gather with people in church on Sunday morning and worship me as you are to celebrate Ohio State football on Saturday? And if the answer is no, then, um, and, if you, and if you want to be a person of faith, because, you know, if you don't, I get it. It's not, I don't expect you to have the same kind of a focus and priority. But if you want to be a person of faith, maybe just let that 
trigger in your mind an eagerness to worship God. Sunday morning, if you're (laughs) nice and comfy and warm in your bed and you're like, "Ah, I just don't think I'm going to get out of bed and go to church, maybe that's the time where there'll be a little bit of a a prick on your conscience where you'd be like, you know, I didn't have any problem rolling out yesterday morning to watch game day and watch the Buckeyes, and I was all in. I should at least have that same kind of enthusiasm to worship the God of the universe who sent his son to die for me on the cross. So there's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with the excitement around sports. I have been shaped most of my life by lessons I learned in sports and by people I've met in sports, by experiences I've had as a spectator, as a performer, and as a uh, journalist in sports. But to worship God is also a gigantic privilege. And um, we have that privilege in this country freely. And um, I just hope we don't overlook it because it is, uh, it is an amazing, we serve an amazing God. And uh, my prayer for you would be that you get to really get in touch with and identify what an amazing God he is and uh, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and um, all that that entails. That's what uh, my top priority um, that my life be about. So I leave that with you today, and I hope that you have a great weekend. Enjoy football. I'm bummed. My daughter's soccer game Saturday was canceled because the other team, somebody has COVID. So, um, But I will enjoy my weekend, and I will take in a high school football game on Saturday night. I will be on the air today at 5 o'clock on The Answer. And I forgot to tell you, if you need legal answers, Willis Spangler Starling is the legal legal firm for you. Uh, Had a conversation with Stan yesterday, and um, workers' comp, wills, estate planning, contracts, all the different things that they do. Button that aspect of your life up. Know who you'll call if you have a situation legally. It's Willis Spangler Starling. Their website is willisattorneys.com. A lot of good information on there. So I leave you with that. Really appreciate you supporting our sponsors who support us. And Chris will be back Monday when we'll have, hey, Buckeye football to talk about. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you again then.